following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, I know you just greeted your neighbor. Why don't you turn to him right now and, and just give him a high five and say, it is almost time for school again. Now, for those of you that aren't parents, you don't know how real the struggle is right now. But for those of us that are parents, the struggle is real. Uh, it's been a fun summer for us. This has been my first experience uh, with a real summer. My son uh, went to kindergarten this year. And we have experienced sleeping in, staying up late, fighting, having fun, swimming, all the things. Uh, it's been a great summer, but we can't wait for school to start. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hey, it's such an honor to be with you here tonight, and it's such an honor to stand on this stage. And I can tell you this, I'll never stand on this stage without giving honor to Pastor Rex and to Patty, such amazing leaders, such incredible people. You're sitting in somebody else's dream. Before this building ever happened, Pastor Rex saw it, and I'm so thankful for his leadership and for who he is. And of course, to my friends and our executive pastors, Pastor Brad and Cass, you guys are incredible leaders, and I love you guys so much and are so thankful for who you are. But tonight, if you have your Bibles, I want to preach to you just a short message, just a simple thought. Forget about the donkeys. A lot of different ways we could go with that title, but we're going to leave it with this. Forget about the donkeys. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 9, and I'm going to start reading with verse number 2. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 19 and 20. So 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Starting with verse number two and going to three. Kish had a son named Saul. As handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. Oh, by the way, he was a head taller than anyone else. Verse three. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Verse 19, I am the seer, Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. And verse 20, and as for the donkeys that you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. Jesus, in your name, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house, to be with your people. It's such an honor to be with those that are walking the same path of life. And I just pray right now, God, that after tonight, that we would realize just simply that we can forget about the donkeys. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now, I have a gift. Uh, it's a gift that uh, some of you may possess. Uh, I know that I possess it. 
alone. I have an ability um, to make women mad. It's just something that just just come natural for me um, throughout my life. And I remember one specific time where this gift really came out on display with my mom. Uh, I was 12 years old, and, and I had just discovered the game of golf. I, I found some golf clubs in the garage, and, and I thought, I can figure this game out. It's a ball sitting in the grass. Like, I'm a good athlete. I can, I can figure this thing out. So I'm in our backyard with a nine iron. I mean, we got a tiny backyard, taking full swings, trying to hit a golf ball, you know, and just hitting them. And I was fortunate it didn't hit any glass windows in the backyard, but I was hitting them over the garage, and I was pretty proud of myself. And, and I hit one, and I heard it go over the garage, and then I heard just this loud thud, and I was like, oh, no. So I ran outside, ran out to the car, ran out to the van to see if it was okay, and I didn't see anything. Disaster averted, I was okay, no big deal, nothing happened. Maybe, you know, I just hit the concrete, that's what it sounded like, I don't know. And I'll never forget about 30 minutes later, my mom, my younger sister, and then my brother-in-law, Clay. This is a very vivid memory. That's why I'm giving you all the details. Very traumatic for me. And my mom, we go, it's in the middle of the summer, and we're going to Pizza Hut. Come on, somebody. There's nothing like Pizza Hut. Amen. I hope that's not the clap tonight. But <laughs> We're going to Pizza Hut, and we're riding in the car. And me and my mom, both almost at the exact same time, see the same thing. I think I see it first, but I don't even have time to react. We're driving, and right in front of me, I don't even know how I didn't see it for the first two, three minutes of the drive, this massive just crater in the windshield, and it was just spread out all over the car, all over the windshield, and I'm like, oh, no. And I look at my mom. My mom looks at me and I'm just, you know, shame, guilt. And my mom has one reaction. She says, get out. <laughs> like, mom, we're on the freeway. I'm just kidding. We weren't on the freeway. We were in the neighborhood. But she tells, she says, get out of the car. I'm like, mom, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, where do you want me to go? She's like, get out of the car. I'm like, okay. And I just start walking home, the walk of shame. So disgusted, so sad. My mom had kicked me out of the family. 30 seconds later, she comes driving back, super mad. Get back in the car. I'm like, Mom, what, what do you want from me? Just so mad. I've always had this talent. One time she got so upset with me. I, I was a, a young adult going to class, going to college, and uh, I had skipped my first day because that's sy syllabus day. Like, who goes to syllabus day? They're not covering anything. She was on the phone with me. She just got so upset, she just threw the phone out the window. And that's the story with the family. And this is just a window into my talent and gift to make women mad. Just pray for Annie right now, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, that she would. But I'll never forget the moment that I realized that that windshield was cracked. I'll never forget that feeling of realizing that I had done this thing. I'll never forget realizing that it was my fault. And no matter how much I wanted it to be different, no matter how much I wanted to fix what I had broken, I could not change what I had done. No matter what, what was done was done. And tonight, maybe you haven't broken a windshield. 
Maybe your situation is not that, but most likely you walked into this room with the baggage of the past. That, that, that when a pastor starts preaching about shame and guilt and decisions that we've made, that you go to this one place. You, you, you go to this one thing that it's the thing that you wish that you could take back. The thing that you wish you didn't say. The decision you wish you didn't make. When we talk about shame and guilt, it's the place where we go. And you've tried to fix it. You've tried to get over it. You try to make it better. And no matter what you do, you just can't seem to fix that windshield. We're introduced to this guy named Saul in the middle of this story. And he's a guy that gets a bad rap. But the truth is, this is a guy that was anointed to be king. And he's a pretty cool, cool dude. The Bible actually describes him as being as handsome as anyone in the land. Oh, by the way, he's head and shoulders taller than everyone. Guess what? This was the guy that girls wanted to marry and guys wanted to be. This was the guy that I wanted to be growing up. My greatest desire in life was to be as tall as Jaron. <laughs> but nevertheless, <clears throat> I, just two years ago, I really embraced the fact that I'm not going to grow anymore. And I've just embraced the 5'11 life. I was 5'11 and a half when I was 13 at West Memorial Junior High and God saw my pride as a basketball player and struck me down and never let me grow another half inch and I'm in therapy for it. <laughs> Saul was amazing. Saul had potential. Saul was the guy that we all wanted to be. Tonight, Saul represents potential. And potential just simply means that it's the state that something is in, but it's not the state in which it should stay. My Houston Rockets have the number two draft pick in this upcoming draft, and I'm so excited. I can't wait because you know what? They're going to draft a player that is full of potential. Unfortunately, I've been through a lot of these drafts, and I've always gotten real excited, and they've always just let me down every... But here's what I've learned in watching these players that we've drafted that we believe in, that we hope in, they're full of potential. But I just believe in 2021, this is going to be my Saul. He's going to be my king. He's going to lead us to the promised land. Amen. Come on, somebody. How many know that you cannot win on potential? Potential is not enough. We've drafted player after player that haven't worked out because you cannot win just on potential. You cannot grow just on Potential. In fact, potential is actually nothing if it stays static. The thing about potential is that it has to be activated. Here's what you need to know here tonight. We all have a gifting. We all have a calling. We all have potential. When I was 17 years old, my dad gave me a book for my birthday. It was called How to Be Like Mike. And I remember one thing in that book. But there was a quote that Michael Jordan said. and He said, every, play, every night I play with the reality that a son and a father are watching me for maybe the only time that they'll ever watch me. And so I know they're in the stands and I'm giving everything that I've got knowing that this is my one chance. Can I tell you tonight, maybe there's some people in the house that maybe this is the only chance that I have to present the gospel to you tonight. And I'm going to give it everything I got because here's what I believe. You've got potential inside of you. There's something inside of you that you don't even realize yet. And while we all have talents and abilities, 
and potential. It actually means nothing if you don't do anything with it. The truth is, if you sit on what you could be, you'll never be what you are supposed to be. And that's why tonight we push a growth track. I'm going to just do a shameless shout out right now for growth track. If you haven't been through growth track, you need to go through it because here's what it is. It's not just about learning about the church. That's great. That's amazing. We're thankful. It's about learning who you are. It's about putting your potential to work. It's about realizing that you're not just here to sit and receive, but you're also here to give of what God has given to you. We want your potential to work for you. Potential begins to be developed and you never know what your true potential will be until you put it to work. And this is where we find Saul. He's got all this potential. He's got high hopes. He's good looking. He's tall. He's wealthy. He's got everything. But he's in an odd place when we see him in this story in verse 3. The Bible tells us that he's hanging out with some donkeys. Saul is hanging out, not in a place that I would expect the tallest, the wealthiest, the best looking guy to be. He's hanging out with some donkeys. And not only is he hanging out with some donkeys, he had one job. You know that guy that's supposed to catch the engagement photo or the engagement video or, or the baby reveal and they don't video? You had one job. This is Saul. <laughs> Saul had one job. Just watch the donkeys. And this individual, Saul, had to be high key, not caring about what he was doing in that moment. I'm not a scientist, but I just believe this. Donkeys aren't the smartest. They're not the fastest. And for donkeys to stray away, you have to be really not caring. And if I'm just guessing, I think in this moment, he's just believing that with all this potential, why would I have a task like this? Well, why would I be involved with such an insignificant task? Dad, Kish, do you know who I am? Do you see how tall, do you see how good looking I am? I, I don't have time to watch donkeys. This moment that seemed insignificant and seemed like it had no bearing on his life now all of a sudden has the power to change the direction of his entire future. Tonight, it's amazing how many life-altering decisions are made in moments that we think don't matter. We get into seasons and moments where we say, this isn't the career path that I truly wanted. This isn't where I wanted to be. I actually know I ended up with this person, but I'm just not happy here. And, and, and I've got a different purpose and, and I've got better things that I want to do. And I've got more potential than the place that I'm in right now. And we look at the task as mundane as beneath us. And here's what happens when you don't think a moment matters, you aren't careful with the decisions that you make in it. When you think a season isn't important, you don't evaluate your relationships. When you think a season isn't important, you don't evaluate your finances. When you think a season isn't important, you make decisions that you should never make. I speak to young adults all the time that my biggest job is to convince them that right now, this season of your life, it matters. It's moments that matter. And I know you think that relationship doesn't matter. Going to that party with that person doesn't matter. I know you think that 
I can do this and it's not going to affect me long term. In fact, I've got potential. So this moment really isn't a big deal. Saul said, I don't have to care because I've got bigger and better things. But when the donkeys left, his life changed. It's amazing how many times this happens. I thought this moment didn't matter. And so I got into that relationship. I I thought it didn't matter for me to go to that party with that crew just one time. Life altering decisions are made in moments that don't seem to matter. Can you imagine Saul in this moment in the story? He, he, he's just scrolling through Instagram, not paying attention, just goofing off. And all of a sudden he realizes, oh, shoot, where are the donkeys? <laughs> How could I have lost the donkeys? I had one job and he realizes that he's lost the one thing that he was supposed to take care of. And then, of course, shows up like any good dad would do. And he says, you lost them. You're going to find them. I actually can feel myself saying that to my kids right now. You left your baseball glove out in the yard. You're going to go get it. (laughs) Kid shows up, says you're going to go find these donkeys. Here's what the donkeys represent here tonight if you don't realize this or not. The donkeys represent a huge mistake. And he and his servants set out to fix his mistake and to find what he has lost. Saul and his friend go from town to town. The Bible says three days and 45 miles on foot trying to fix the failure of his past. A guy full of potential, a guy that had it all together is now scrambling to put his life back together. Ultimately, he comes to the place where he realizes he cannot find them anymore. We will never be able to fix this mistake, he realizes. So let's just hang out here. Let's just give up because we've started or we've ended up right where we started. This happens to each and every one of us so much. When we make a mistake, we do our own job to try to fix it. We, we, we lose something, we go try to find it. We break something, we try to make it better. And then we go from relationship to relationship, from town to town, from job to job, from addiction to addiction, trying to fix the thing that we broke, trying to find the thing that we lost. Maybe if I get this house, I'll feel better about myself. Maybe if I get this job, people will look at me different. Maybe if I get this person, things will be better for me in my life. Maybe if I get into that school or get this attention or get noticed for this. But what happens over and over is we try to fix the hole in our heart. We realize that the only thing worse than failure is continued failure. We fail. We try to fix it again. We fail again. We try to fix it again. In fact, we even come to church hoping that church will be the thing that helps us have more self-discipline that helps us try harder, that helps us do better. Can I tell you tonight, you are never going to overcome the thing that is defeating you by just being stronger or having more discipline or trying harder. The only way that you're going to overcome this fight and overcome the thing that is defeating you is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6, Saul Or the servant says to Saul, look in this town. We've looked everywhere. We've gone from town to town. 
In this town, there is a man of God and he is highly respected and everything he says comes true. So let's go there now and perhaps he will tell us what way to take. There's a man of God in town and here's what the man of God represents. It's God himself in the Old Testament. The man of God, the prophet of God was actually the voice of God to the people. And they just come to this moment where we've tried everything else. We might as well try God. We, we, we've tried everything else. We might as well try showing up to the house of God. Can I tell you tonight, maybe the thing that you're looking for is not in a substance. Maybe the thing that you're looking for is not in sex. Maybe the thing that you're looking for is not in that job or that relationship. Maybe the thing that you're looking for is in the house of God. First Samuel chapter nine, verse seven, Saul says to his servant, okay, okay, let's go to church. Let's, let's go to God. We, we tried everything else. Let's, let's try God. He says, but if we go, what can we give the man? We're out of food. The food in our sacks is gone and we have no gift to take to the man of God. Saul is all of us. You finally make that decision to come to the house of God. The first thing that you ask is, what do I have to offer? God, I look at the mess that I've made of my life and all the striving and, and all the effort to fix what I lost. I now have nothing to give to you. Like, yes, I'll go to church. I'll go to the house of God. But, but I know this, I've got nothing to offer. Saul was so aware of his own deficiencies. He was so aware of what he did not have. Saul was so self-aware that he was dismissing the possibility that something greater might happen in his life. Tonight, I want to remind you and I want to tell you, do not let the thing that limits you keep you from your potential. I'm going to say that again. Do not let the thing that is limiting you keep you from your potential in God. You might be very aware of what limits you, you might be very aware of your deficiencies. You might be very aware of your insecurities or your lack of privilege. But can I tell you, when you give God what you've got, he can do more with your life than you could ever do on your own. When you give God your little bit, when you give God your nothing. Hey, he's the God that spoke from nothing and created worlds. Your nothing means nothing to him. He can take your nothing and to turn it into something amazing for his kingdom God can do more with a little bit God can do more with your insignificant thing God can do more with the life that you think you've ruined Jesus is preaching to 20,000 people and he asked his disciples what do you have and they're like we just got five loaves and two fish and they're, I'm sure these guys are like we're gonna split it up amongst ourselves I mean there's no way we could feed 20,000 so we might as well eat Jesus says give it to me give me what you got Give me that little thing and watch me make it more than enough. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 15 says this. Now the day before Saul came, let's fast forward in the story. The Lord revealed this to Samuel. He says, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people and he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people 
And I've heard their cry and it has reached me. This is what I love about God. If this is me introducing Saul to Samuel, you know how I'm introducing him? Like I would introduce one of my buddies that made a mistake playing softball like the other night. This guy, he's good looking, really tall, awful left fielder. Like you just, like Saul, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's good looking, but man, do you know that he just lost all those donkeys? Like what an idiot, Samuel. You're going to have to anoint him king. The first thing you got to know about this guy, he cannot watch donkeys. If that's me, I'm going to lead with Saul is coming and he can't even manage his own resources. If it's me introducing Saul to Samuel, Saul is coming, but he can't even manage his own donkeys. Here comes Saul, the guy who had a lot of potential and screwed it up. The thing that I love about God and the thing I love about his house and the thing that I love about his people, God does not identify him in this moment with his failure that he is currently in. He doesn't identify him with the mistake that he just made just 10 verses before in the the same chapter. He says, instead, here comes Saul, for he shall rescue them from the Philistines. This is what I love about God. He doesn't call you by your sin. He doesn't call you by your mess. He doesn't call you by the thing that you did last night. He calls you by the person that you're going to become. Oh, he doesn't call you by your reputation or the mess that you made or the decision that you made in the moment that didn't matter. He doesn't call you by where you've been. He calls you by where you're going. And I'm so thankful tonight that God doesn't see just where I am today. He sees the man that I'm going to become. Anybody thankful that God sees where you're going? He doesn't just see where you're at right now. He sees the person that you're going to become. He calls you by where you were going. Yeah, you lost some donkeys. Yeah, you were entitled. Yeah, you were selfish. Yeah, you dropped the ball. Yeah, you missed the moment. But I don't care about where you've been. I care about the man that you're going to become. And I would say this too. He doesn't care about our failure and he doesn't care about our success. He cares about the person that we're becoming. He says Saul is going to be the one who delivers my people, Saul and Samuel meet. And I just imagine that this is how the story goes. I imagine that Saul is about to meet the man of God. It reminds me of the first time that I met Pastor Rex. I was 17 years, this is one of my favorite memories and I can't wait to tell it. I was 17 years old. I was playing basketball at a youth camp. It was one of the best games of my life. I know the glory days are amazing. They're getting better as I get older. One of the best games of my life. I was going off. And I'll never forget running down the court. Pastor Rex just hits me on the back and he's like, light him up, son. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) I didn't know how that first meeting with Pastor Rex was going to go, but it was better than I expected. Saul has this meeting where he's about to meet the man of God. And he's thinking and he shows up to Samuel saying, can you help me with the thing that I lost? Samuel, man of God, house of God, can can you help me with the thing that I screwed up? I had some potential. I I had some great things going for me, but I missed the moment. Samuel, can you 
Can you help me? And I think in that moment, Saul expected what many of us expect when we come to God. That maybe Samuel would tell him, have you looked over in this town? Have you tried a little bit harder? Have you looked everywhere? But instead, in verse 19, Samuel ignores his question. (laughs) Verse 18, in fact, he says, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? He wants to go find these donkeys. Samuel says, I'm the seer. Um, But by the way, nothing about the donkeys. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a meal. And then tomorrow... We're going to go up to worship. Tonight, I think God looks at our struggles and our attempts to fix our broken past. And he doesn't meet those efforts and those struggles with condemnation. But I think he wants each and every one of us to know Matthew chapter 11, where he said, all you who are weary and heavy burden." All you who've been looking from town to town, from place to place, trying to find the thing that you lost, trying to fix your life. You spent every day of your life trying to fix that one decision that you made when you were a teenager. Here's what it does in that struggle and that striving as we try to prove ourselves to other people, as we join the rat race and we, we, we got to let everybody know that we've got it together in all the striving and all the searching makes us weary. Jesus said, all those who are weary and heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. Tonight, you've been chasing donkeys that you should never chase. You've been chasing after mistakes. You've been chasing after brokenness, hoping that you can recapture the thing that you lost. Can I tell you here tonight, you will never reclaim your innocence, but you will reclaim your future. You may never reclaim the thing that you're trying to find, but here's what you will claim. You will find out who you are. You will discover your purpose, and you will get involved in what the kingdom of God is doing and make a difference in the world around you. If you're tired, come to me. If you're heavy burdened, come to me. And Saul says, or Samuel says to Saul, we're going to have a meal. You're going to rest. And then tomorrow we're going to go worship. Saul agrees, and it's essentially just this moment in the story where Saul says, I don't know what's happening, but I'm tired of looking. I, I don't know what's happening, but I, I give up. Maybe I'm just not going to live up to the expectation that my dad Kish had. You know what? Maybe I actually lost the donkeys and made a mess of it, but I'm tired of trying to fix my own mess. Maybe I'm not going to be who people thought I was going to be. And Saul gives up and says, okay, let's go to worship. And in that moment, Samuel says something that's so amazing. Samuel says something that changed Saul's life forever. In verse 20, Verse 19, he says, let's go worship. Verse 20, he says, oh, and by the way, forget about the donkeys. Oh, and by the way, don't worry about the donkeys. That thing that you were trying to fix, that thing that you were trying to find, 
That, that thing that you, you thought you had made a mess of it, don't worry about what you lost. Worry about who you're about to become. Guess what? You're not just the son of Kish. You're about to be the king of Israel. Can I tell you here tonight, quit living in the past. Quit worrying about the past. Quit worrying about the donkeys. Worry about who you're going to become. You see, it wasn't... It wasn't until Saul had this realization and this moment that I am done doing it on my own. Saul had this moment of realization that I screwed it up, I tried to fix it, and I can't even fix what I messed up. And if that's not the journey of sin, I don't know what it is. We have a moment where we don't realize the importance of the moment. We make a mistake and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to fix this one thing when here's what God wants from you, to forget about the donkeys and worry about your purpose. I'm closing. If we could get some keys on the worship team. It wasn't until Saul made a decision to worship. It wasn't until he began to realize this, that, that, that God is actually pretty amazing. He's caught up in his moment. He's caught up in the thing that he's done. But Samuel says, let's go worship. Here's what I know about coming to the house of God. When I begin to lift up who Jesus is, when I begin to realize who he is, the sin of the past goes away. When I begin to lift up the name of Jesus, and this is why we open every service with worship, by lifting up the name of Jesus, because here's what we're saying in a moment of worship. God, I'm leaving those donkeys behind. I'm tired of doing it on my own, so I'm standing in your presence saying, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you took care of the donkeys a long time ago. Some of you have been chasing you've been chasing these donkeys you've been running hard here's what God wants you to know here tonight forget about the donkeys Samuel said you've been running oh and by the way don't worry about the donkeys in fact let me just read it to you verse 20 he said, and as for the donkeys that, oh man, this fires me. As for the donkeys that you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. On your way to worship, you'll discover what God has for you. And you'll realize that the thing that you were looking for has already been found in the house of God. Oh, come on, all across this place, can we just put our hands together and say, thank you, Jesus, for recovering what I tried to find a long time ago. Let's all stand. Oh, and by the way, don't worry. Oh, and by the way, that regret, that shame, that past, don't worry about the donkeys. They've already been found. God has already replaced the thing that you were looking for, but you only discover that in a place of worship. The moment you surrender is the moment that you say, oh, oh man, look what he replaced. Oh man, I, I had that bad relationship. I made that decision in that moment that didn't matter, but look at my family now. Oh, I was caught up in addiction. I was going from town to town trying to find that I was thing I was looking for, but now look how healthy I am because of the goodness of God.
Oh, come on, you can look back over your life and look after moment after moment that you made decisions that you thought didn't matter. You thought it didn't matter and you're trying to recover it. Can you take a moment right now, a moment of worship and look to him and when you look to him, you'll realize, look at all he's replaced. Look at my family. Look at my home. Look at the goodness in my life. I was trying so hard on my own that I forgot to realize that he's already found the donkeys. He's already replaced what I lost. He's already given me the thing that I've been looking for my entire life. The moment that you surrender to God is the moment you see his strength. The moment you surrender to God is the moment that you realize, oh, by the way, forget about the donkeys. Can I just tell you right now, that moment that you felt like you made a decision that you shouldn't have made, that was just a chapter in a story. That was just a page in the book. You are not just the son of Kish, but you're the anointed king of Israel. Maybe you had some potential. Maybe you look back on your life and you think, man, I could have done some amazing things. Look at the potential that I had, <laughs> but I mismanaged my resources. Can I tell you tonight, the thing that you thought was going to disqualify you is going to be the thing that leads you to the house of God. The thing that you thought was going to keep you from being who God has called you to be is the thing that's going to lead you to the man of God. Oh, come on, all across this place, can we just lift up a shout of praise and say one more time, thank you, Jesus. I worship you for who you are. I worship you for what you've done in my life. And I worship you. Those donkeys that I was looking for, oh, by the way, they've already been found. I wasn't sure how I wanted to close this, but I just feel this in this moment. If our prayer team and our prayer partners would just be ready. I'm going to close. I'm going to say a prayer, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to have a meal. To have a meal and then go up to worship because it's on your way to worship where you realize what God has done for you. As our prayer partners would come down, if you just wanna take a moment just to, just to have a moment of worship. We're closing, you're free to go. If you wanna go, you, please feel free. But just know this, God does something in moments of worship where we let go of the thing that we've been running after and we worship him. <laughs> And we realize the donkeys that we lost have already been found. God bless you. Have a great week and go in Jesus' name.